0: Hello and welcome to It Takes Courage to Tell the Truth. This podcast features interviews from women around the world focusing on birth, business, sustainability, health, sex, death and money. I'm your host, Eleanor Bancroft. In this episode, I talk with Vanessa Meradian. Vanessa is a yoga teacher, a sexologist, and the founder of Mia Muse. Mia Muse is an online platform where you can read about sexuality, explore videos, find erotic content, and buy sex toys. Vanessa is a one-on-one therapist and also does couples therapy, lives and works in Melbourne. Okay, and so today with us, we have Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa.
1: Hi, Ella. How are you? I am, I've been doing really well in the, the slowing down. Yeah, it's been really good for my mind and my body, nervous system. Mm, How relaxing. are you doing? I'm good.
0: I am good. Um, so, Venny, you have a really interesting line of work. And I'd love to just um, get you to explain your story um, and
1: how you ended up being a sexologist. Great. Well, yeah, I'm a sexologist. Many people kind of ask me what that means. Essentially, I work I work in one-on-one sex therapy or self-love therapy. And because sex is, for me, a beautiful way to look at how we might be in the rest of our lives, a lot of the therapy that I do is really accessible in that way, looking at kind of how you can, say, be more open in your day-to-day, speak truthfully with friends, feel good about your body and connect to your body so that when you are having sex or when you want to masturbate or when you're with another person, these, you know, the qualities of your, your sexual relating are easier to access. Mm. So, yeah, I like to look at the whole life. I got to this point and I share it a little bit that one of the things I remember my mum saying to me when I was little is to be a good friend to women. And so when she died, like a, you know, when I was 13 or 14, I was like, I will be the best friend to as many women as possible. And as you do, and obviously the, that kind of being a good friend is like all sorts of things, but essentially the idea that we can talk about sex and illuminate it and get it out from under the the rug of, you know, shame and all the stigma that comes with women's sexuality, cis women's sexuality, and create, uh, you know, celebrate who we are fully. And so I started, I went to a sex toy party and I was like, this, I could do this. And it is such a great space to open up the conversation. And at that point it was called a fuck-aware party. And so I had one at my house you know, I'm like early 20s, it was a Thursday afternoon. There were like 30 of my closest friends there. And we were just like, we sold so many vibrators. And then this stripper rocked up and it was wild. And I just thought this is such an opportunity, sex toy parties, to open up a conversation about sex and do it in a safe space, someone's home with a bunch of their friends. And so, yeah, I, I was a sex toy hustler for a good number of years, sometimes running three or four parties a weekend. My own sexual kind of liberation definitely happened with a vibrator. you know, like I discovered female ejaculation with a vibrator the first time I used one, I literally came everywhere these sex toy parties, it was a space where one-on-one discussions would come up and I'd sometimes be at people's houses till like 1am talking with all the women one-on-one about a sex toy, but more importantly about what was coming up in their sex lives. And then so I was like, I got to study and I knew sexology existed because of a conversation I remember my mum having with her best friend about triad relating. And this would have been in the early 90s. I was listening from like another room and they were talking about this sexology course that my mum's friend was doing in in Perth. So I contacted her many years later and she told me about it and I ended up doing my postgrad in sexology at Curtin and then obviously just like through the years of like Tantra workshops and doing yoga, I was connecting more to my body and I felt more love towards it. I felt strong. And so I was like, yoga is an amazing tool for, for good sex. And uh, I love yoga. I love spirituality. So I did my teacher training. I've since done embodied flow teacher training a few years ago now. 500 hour trained and that 300 hours with embodied flow real somatic deep work like connecting into your body at these it was just blew my mind was unbelievable so I I really love now teaching pleasure embodiment and that as foreplay and that as a way to um yeah that your whole life is foreplay and how we are in every moment essentially can um is part of our sex life if you want to look at it like that and it's quite easy to shift your intentions around what sexuality and eroticism and sensuality are and that they can all merge almost in every moment so and i think that's a really accessible way for people to tackle sex because for a lot of people it's like you know, it contracts us. It makes us nervous. We we don't want to be in the bedroom like, shit, i got to walk from the light to the bed now while, you know, while I'm naked and this person's looking at me and really in real time trying to break through all these barriers and boundaries. If we can do that in the day with our friends or nude on the beach or take, you know, get your titties out at the beach, these are all steps where you are learning to love yourself more. And, of course, then you feel like you can get your titties out with your partner you know, throw them in their face and that becomes easier and there's less boundary in, in the sex space. So I think I love that because it just really dearms people about, sex. you know, around sexuality.
0: Mm, it yeah. seems like there's like a really big <clears throat> correlation towards like health and embodiment and
1: a healthy sexual life. For sure, because... Essentially, in in the one-on-one space, I see a lot of people coming to me with a lack of desire, or a lack of random uh, arousal, or in that way, libido. And when we're in a contracted or stressed state of being, we can't arouse. So cis women's bodies need to be feel safe and relaxed, and from there, we can start to build this orgasmic energy. So. It's real, you know, people are like, ah, my libido is not happening. I'm like, well, when was the last time you said hello to your pussy or connected to your genitals? You can't just expect at this pinnacle of when you're like in the bedroom where someone else's stuff is all there with you and you want to have a wonderfully orgasmic experience that your body's just going to turn on for you if you haven't turned it on in days, weeks, months. I was reading um, Come As You Are last night. Have you read that book? Oh, yeah. Yeah, by and- Nagoski, Emily Nagoski, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's on my bookshelf, and the chapter
0: I was reading was actually around sex and stress and just like on a on a practical primal level when we as women are exuding adrenaline and cortisol into our bodies it actually tells our bodies that we're in a state of distress or back then it was normally to do with danger because we'd be living you know in a much more natural environment and therefore it would be unsafe to procreate so you know just to break down that idea of what stress is for our bodies it is actually a protector to inform our or to like kind of signal to our body that like hey no it's dangerous don't pre- procreate or don't like get into hyper arousal because there could be
1: a lion around the corner exactly and and these days what does like you know not feeling safe look like and for us it is you know all the things that cause this contraction and stress response like literally yeah that adrenaline or um cortisol and for me you know for me that is um oh, being misunderstood feeling um a little like I'm taking up too much space uh it used to be kind of fears of abandonment you know trust issues um for a lot of women I see it's like body related it is uh you know and it's amazing kind of the stories as well that we tell ourselves over time that that lead us to a point in the relationship where we're like, oh, you don't turn me on anymore. Oh, I don't like you or love you anymore. I'm not in love with you. And that can literally be because you've put your bo- your body is stressed and it has this withdrawal response, like, oh, don't touch me. But that is sometimes nothing to do with your partner and more to do with your life and a lack of down regulating and softening.
0: Mm. And so what kind of tools would you suggest to women out there that are listening to this or to men or to other women who have partners of women to, to really relax them and get them in their body?
1: Well, I would start to kind of notice what stress looks like for you. You know, for me, it's with my shoulders are tense. My jaw might be on, like I might be grinding my teeth a little. If whenever I check into my lower belly, it's kind of always on you know, like as women, just letting the belly kind of go and be relaxed is just like, no, go, bitch, you're not sexy. And, you know, those things. And then we want to have a, a kid or, you know, go through childbirth. birth. And when you, you know, there's so much tension there. You know, I re- I went to a pelvic floor physio and worked out that I was overactive. And I'm like... And apparently a lot of yoga teachers, Pilates teachers, people who practice these kinds of things are overactive because we're just holding and we're on. And your your pussy, your vagina needs to be really responsive and kind of, I want to say malleable, but it needs to be able to um, expand and contract. And we really only talk about pelvic floor as like lifting and strengthening, but just as important is this relaxing and letting go. And that, so I use that kind of, you would think about that for your whole body as well. So back to these, like, what do I notice as stress? And then I would look at kind of, what do I notice as pleasure embodiment? So when I laugh, you know, when I'm with clients or with friends and where do I notice that in my body? And for me, now I can tell, I know that when I laugh and feel joy, I feel it up my arms and into my heart. And that is, that makes sense because from a Chinese medicine perspective, you know, the heart lines, the meridian pathways of the heart are in the arms. So just then on this contrast, noticing joy and bringing that pleasure pathway and pleasure embodiment into your your mind and state of being and being like, okay, I want to strengthen here. And then obviously we all kind of know how we feel when we exercise, how we feel after a yoga class, how we feel like dancing like a wild woman in the the living room. These kinds of things help us move stress.
0: Mm. Yeah, and they really move the chemicals too. They, they help to release the cortisol and adrenaline by moving your body and that often afterwards, you know, you do a big workout and then you just fall in a heap. Like that feels like the ultimate way to be relaxed,
1: yeah? Mm, yeah. Well, that's also something I'm really curious about as a researcher and, and, and that comes from my embodied flow training. There's this practice we, we, not, we call yielding. And for me, a yielding or a merging, an embodied merging, so it means that I'm in my body and I'm yielding, it comes from a place of balance. So kind of that collapse that we feel, that like, sometimes is a response to this constant pushing and propping that that's a whole other conversation about the patriarchy and this system that we've been thrown into about success and achieving and if you look at it in an embodied way that to me feels like this go 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 mode always going and then what does that require it requires like this big collapse and what happens if we could find, you know, and a big collapse might look like Netflix, a joint, a wine, a, oh, I can't fucking handle it. Everyone leave me alone for a few days. And what happens if, if our state of being and our life wasn't so extreme, if there wasn't so much push that it required so much collapse, if, that, if I were yielding even day to day that I actually enjoy all my work, that if I remember that and allow it to just drop in, that it comes from this place of balance as opposed to this place of, I've got to do a good job. What are the clients going to show up with today? Oh my God, I'm nervous. I don't know. And it's just like, no, Vanessa, you know, you love this work, trust in your expertise and that the divine will just flow through you moment to moment. And when I look at it like that, It's more, it comes from a more balanced place. So it's not coming from this striving or this lack. It comes from just a pure, a more pure state. And for me, that allows me to nurture or to have more vital energy or vital life force, which if we were talking about sex is called libido.
0: Yeah, totally. And it's kind of like being in the present moment rather than, you know, accelerating into the future, which is also really important, I think, during sex is to figure out ways in which you can bring yourself back into the room, bring yourself back into the body. And like, personally, that's breath. And I'm very vocal, like, you know, that makes me feel like I I recognize I'm here, you know, my partner is here and I'm here with them. And sometimes it does, you know, you do get in your head, but I think we live in a world where we live in our heads and as women, we really need to get into our pussies more,
1: you know? A hundred percent. The, the head, one is so common for so many people they're like i just can't get out of my head and and i'm like that that is babe is a hundred percent okay and very common because yeah we spend say it's a 12 hour day which apparently it is we spend 10 11 hours of the day in cognition in thought in And even if we think about where we've all come from, our success, unless you're a professional athlete, is based on how well you do, how well you think, how well you look at ideas, you know, how well you do in school. It's not like how, where where do you feel that? Or how well you recognize emotions in your body or all these things that are really, obviously, I know you're big into this conversation about the feminine, the feeling and intuition. because it's so important in the balancing of what's happening right now. But yeah, even those things, you know, the the feminine isn't about cognition, it is about feeling and, and moving intuitively. So how do of course that's important in a sex in our sex lives? And how do we foster and cultivate that way of being for all beings, men, women, non-binary, trans. How Do we soften? How do we trust our intuition? How do we move and, you know, I want to say soiree or like um, a soiree is obviously like a meeting if you were in um, Sound of Music, but uh, how do, what's what's the movement where you're swanning throughout your day? These things are creating a pleasure pathway and they are your foreplay.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a, if you take away the idea of success as goal orientated and you replace success with how much pleasure you're getting in your day to day. You know, imagine if we change the that, you know, the calculator to that and then people would then, you know, equate success to how much pleasure they're getting in a day or today I got 90% of a pleasure filled day it was so awesome maybe I didn't Mm -hmm. write any fucking papers for my work but I lay on the beach and made out with my girlfriend for two hours and I ate a beautiful brunch you know like yeah Mm -hmm. I I think we're so dominated by doing in this society but actually we forget that being is the most pleasurable state we could be in
1: exactly Exactly and like, and on that, hugely important, and just being able to give ourselves permission to trust the natural cycle of desire in that way, if you do, and if you're lucky enough to have a beach nearby that if you can go there for the morning that and that that's what you wake up feeling like you need or you want to do, that you a hundred percent can do that and and obviously, yeah making our lives fit and and the nine to five that you might be in or nine to seven p.m. is it's more likely these days that that if you want to make changes that allow for, you can. And this is, again, you and me giving full permission to the listeners of like, well, that's not me. I can't go to the beach in the morning. I'm like, well, if you want it, you can make that happen. but And it doesn't necessarily have to be this whole day of pleasure or, once, you know, once we get deeper into this work, it can be simply if I'm like, oh, my jaw's tense. Oh, if I relax it, cool. Here I am beginning to allow at least the thought of pleasure to arise by softening my jaw, if that makes sense. But, oh, yeah, really? for those who, who can't get to the beach or make out with their partner for two hours, it can just be like let's, let me just shimmy my body for a few minutes to my favourite song. And, ah, oh, well, how does this feel pleasurable? And, oh, yeah, this is also part of my, my foreplay my sex life. If you want to look at it like that, go for it is what I say.
0: I agree. And specifically in this month it's it's masturbation month of may oh yeah yeah so it it's, a, it's a good time to be tuning in to your pleasure and your body and you know i think also as baby steps you know it can be quite fearful for people to just dive straight in but a great way mm. to kind of be a bridge is
1: through masturbation and self-discovery would you say for sure uh and like, and for me that was you know i worked out that i could come from my vibrator i'd never like literally you know we call it ejaculation or gushing and sometimes people get caught up that ejaculations to you know male centric as a term but essentially this big forceful push of juice um yeah i the first time i experienced that was with my vibrator and therefore you know i could talk to my friends and be like what the hell was that and you know, we didn't know. I'd had one friend at 19 who had this w- wild experience when she was um, on an ecstasy pill and back in, in the college days she, and, and had this wild experience where she came and pushed her boyfriend out of her during the orgasm and then it splashed all over her body and his body and she came back and told us about it and we were just like, what? And, you know, so that was the first time I'd heard of it. I think I laughed for a good two minutes straight at just like the magnificence and hilarity of, of what I thought it, what had happened at the time. And yeah, and then it happened to me with my vibrator. So I was like, uh, yes. So, but at, until that point, I had a really strong relationship with the shower head. And, uh, you know, I lived in America at that point, the United States, Turtle Island. And, And so there were no water restrictions (laughs) and yeah, but I think, so on that, a lot of people do feel, do find masturbation quite hard to also um, enjoy, but many people do enjoy it. And, and, And on that note, it's not shameful. Just go for it. A lot of people also ask me, can I get addicted to my vibrator? And I'm like, if you're thinking that, put it down. Give it a break for two weeks, three weeks, see how you go. Um, If you don't care, go for it. You know, sometimes I think we can be all like a a bit, um, again, goal-orientated or striving for perfectionism in our sex lives and that, you know, Tantra is maybe a be-all and end-all and that, you know, energetic orgasms or body, you know, all the, the pursuit of this crazy sex life can also be quite isolating and stressful really, and stressful you know and sometimes I just want to connect and I don't mind how it looks sometimes I just want to release a little like stress or just scream and orgasm and and it can be just about that and I can um, be I guess goal orientated in that but I think being able to talk to my partner, Dana, and, and just know that we just, you know, sometimes we want to jump in bed and both have a quick orgasm and pass out. So we just do that. And some days we want to put aside three, four hours for this, you know, longer session. But masturbation was the gateway for me. And I think, and I encourage it a lot. And so many people, again, come up against barriers there around even sound or movement and we want people, like you were saying, Ella, like that sound and movement is a huge part of your, your sexuality and your pleasure fingerprint, if you will. And, and there are lots of blocks there. So when you're on your own, it's great to just practice. It's like, oh, how does that sound feel? Oh, it feels ugly to me. I feel ugly making that sound. Okay, cool, let's make it. Let's see what happens. Let's get on all fours and do a cat and cow and pretend we're birthing and see what happens. And just because these are all, yeah, they're awkward. Sex is awkward. um, And we wanna just break through that as women and as humans that awkward is like generally a nice gateway to something wonderful on the other side. And I think the more that we can get cool with being, feeling awkward and being awkward, the more that we just know um, expansive pleasure.
0: I agree. And also, you know, I think a lot of people sometimes suffer with, like, communicating their needs and desires with their partner and a really, like, beautiful way that you can physically show your partner what you want is to have them watch you masturbate. Fuck yeah. You know, um, and in that way, they yeah. get this kind of counter transference of information around what you're enjoying and they get to visually experience it you know and and it really like encourage women out there to push the envelope with your partners you know like these people are with you because they love you and essentially you know being a woman who sleeps with women and you also and the number one thing for me is making sure my partner is feeling pleasure no what, no matter what that looks like you know I'm not really that self-interested and I think so often as women we caretake our partner's emotions and we're always like oh what can we do for you but actually just allow yourself to be in the state of pleasure because your partner wants to see you in that state of pleasure as much you want to be in it
1: a hundred percent like we all probably identify it with feeling good when our partner is like oh yeah that feels amazing or they have a good experience with us and so who are we to deny them of that as well And, and and so yeah the giving and receiving there is value for both people on either end and that that's also a really interesting conversation Mm. and kind of about this passive active energy and the giving receiving energy. But yeah. And I love mutual masturbation, you know, I love it. And I think it's just, and, and there's, you know, there's so much intimacy as well that is, that is exchanged in, in the allowing someone to watch you and also being watched like, the the trust and the excitement and the i guess like the honor and reverence that's also there that you that even that we're just sharing this naked orgasmic pleasure space together that is beautiful enough you know to then like put all these other expectations that someone needs to, there needs to be penetration or that there needs to be da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It needs to look a certain way, can just be really limiting and even strengthen these ideas that say, I'm not worthy of, of pleasure, I'm not good enough pleasure, or at least if I'm just giving here, that's good enough. And they're all really interesting things to unpack and really important on things to unpack as well definitely
0: i'm thinking about um masturbation right now and i recently (laughs) got told that um the the question put into google the most like um asked question in google about sex was that where is the g-spot and so i thought while having you on today Um, It would be good for, first of all, what are your thoughts on the G-spot? And um, can you kind of give us an idea of where it's located and what its function is?
1: Yeah, great. Uh, The G-spot, the Grafenberg spot named after the man that discovered it. And, and since then there's been a lot of um, research around it. I probably stopped looking into the research a few years ago, but the last research that I heard is that the G-spot is a sack of erectile tissue that sits in the, the anterior, which is the front or the top wall makes sense for me. If you're kind of, if you were to put your fingers inside the vagina and head towards the belly button, so up, and some people call it this come hither motion, <laughs> you know, that like, hey, baby, come here. Uh, that, so that movement of like massaging um, the urethral sponge essentially because they're the G spot also sits kind of under the urethra. So you've got your urethra, which is where we urinate from and the vagina and, and obviously the urethra is not obviously is surrounded by a sponge. And that sponge is what also contains ejaculatory fluid. So ejaculatory fluid can come from that sponge or it can come from your bladder, according to research. And, but that G spot, yeah, sits in that, Uh, wall than between the sponge and the vaginal opening so obviously that's that wall will be different size and weight and kind of for everyone and therefore how how easy it is to access the g spot will be different for everyone i think it's worth knowing the science but as we think about all science, that science is only true until it's not true anymore. So with the G-spot, it's the same. Maybe you want to like start exploring with this stimulation on the top wall of your vagina or that wall that would access the belly button if you were trying to get there and, and just see how it feels for you and for your pleasure. Another little tip is that that, that it will feel like the the ribbed part of the back of your front teeth, like the gum. So if you were to rub that little ribbed bit of your gum behind yeah, your two front teeth right now, that's what the G-spot kind of feels like. And particularly when it gets hard, erect and aroused, you can feel that. But obviously, you know, sometimes with my partner, it's like, well, not sometimes, direct stimulation on the G-spot, like direct stimulation on the clitoris can be, you know, overwhelming. So you want to be juicing and working with the whole area and kind of directing energy to these more kind of peak points. But we're including the whole thing. But, yeah, so the G-spot, it's a tool, it's an idea, we... You know, we know that it is a point that I think feels pretty good and I wouldn't, I'd say that it's more about the access point to internal clitoral massage. It's a really good access point to internal clitoral massage. And I think we need to start looking, you know, the clitoris, it's a whole network down there and it's all involved in moving energy to the genitals like and building this energy and it doesn't it's about what works for you and what works for you will change kind of cyclically it will change depending on how you're feeling it will change depending on the lover that you're with it will change depending on the kind of time of your relationship so just you know knowing the science of our bodies not being bound and limited By the science that knowing that, and when I say that, not being bound, kind of that that is it, and then also just what's just as valuable is your own personal experience.
0: Totally, I agree. And you know, just that big emphasis on everybody is different, and often um, these claims around women's bodies are just kind of group all women into one kind of category and when we're dealing with the vagina like each one is so unique and yeah. so precious and i think that that the most important thing we can do as women or um, people who sleep with women is to encourage an idea of discovery and play around the pussy because it is so different. Some, some people can only come clitorally, you know, or some Mm. people like really love deep penetration and, and not Mm. one pussy is made the same. And that's the beauty of every woman, you know, her uniqueness. And so um, I know like the G spot is, Definitely one of my favorites, but I used to have a real hang up about wanting to be fucked in the g-spot continuously because i i had this idea that the clit was like a superficial orgasm in some way when like as i get older i realise that like it is all as um equal playing field as each other you know if you're looking at the cervix if you're looking at the g-spot if you're looking at the clit no one is in a hierarchical place considering where they can come from their vagina or where they can Mm -hmm. orgasm or even if they can orgasm
1: 100 percent. and that's like a real like I'm so happy that we get to talk about it as kind of sex and pleasure educators because I think so many people get caught up in this like yeah this hierarchical um experience of sex like once you're having it then you've got to have it better and then you've got to have it more spiritually and then you've got to have it without touch and then you've got to have it da 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 But really, we would just want to connect and that your body and the ability to feel pleasure is is awesome and really important. And that if you've got time and space and curiosity to explore that, go for it. If you're going on a sex camp retreat where you can just be tantric and energy and fill your body with vegetarian food and get sleep and blah, 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 and be around all people that are also interested in that. uh, Great. Maybe you're going to have a, you know, a full body energy orgasm, or maybe you're going to have a cervix, cervical orgasm. Uh, But the, but just know that the environment needs to be conducive and that your dedication to the practice is also like has to be pretty dedicated and so i love that that you know and one of my other friends says that vanilla is her favorite flavor it's just like i just want to have some just nice good sex with my partner and and if i'm having that that is just good enough and yeah, and I think particularly in the Tantra world or this uh, neo-Tantra world, we can get caught up in sex then being Tantric, which I think there are some amazing Tantric techniques to bring in around like elemental massage and and actually how I look at this, um, you know, they used to say, some of the workshops I've been in that the clit orgasm isn't exactly what you're saying, isn't as potent or good as these internal orgasms. I'm pretty sure that would have been blanketed by a
0: man to say that the clitoral orgasm is somehow superficial because really you can have a clitoral orgasm without a dick inside of you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've heard women say it too. And, and from, from me, it's like, so those orgasms that feel like an exhale, the ones that get me right ready for bed. I'm like, boom, done, out. And they are necessary in my day-to-day life for sure. I got to get some sleep, but I also want to have an orgasm. And then when I got more time or I just want to play a little bit or I'm just curious, then there's the... The, the inhale the orgasm that feels like an inhale and and that's where we begin this kind of full body exploration and literally it can be as simple as getting turned on and then bringing in pelvic floor exercises if you don't know how to do pelvic floor exercises find out how to do them properly because it really is like very subtle differences in doing them kind of you know in a way that might be tightening and strengthening and that might not be what you need versus like this this kind of relax and release that we were talking about at the start but yeah if you're yeah you're building up the orgasmic energy is there and then you start to bring in some like whoo, whoo, pelvic floor lifts which if you can't you obviously can't see me right now but i'm like inhaling like a you would a beautiful row like rose or a scent of something yeah pussy and sucking up yeah thank you sucking up and if you and obviously we can kind of if we just do that now we can suck up with the pelvic floor to say like maybe your mons pubis or your lower belly but mm. there is if you add movement to that you can add this whole kind of inhale and suck up we'll call it this sucking up energy right through the throat the third eye into the cosmos and that's where it becomes like this whole godlike experience but it's It doesn't need to be so elite and and it doesn't need to be so special. It can simply be a choice and a practice that you decide, hey, yeah, I'm going to start trying to like bring the energy upward. And even if you and me, Ella, just started right now to do that with our pussies, if we started like clenching and release. And doing it. Yeah, same, right? And if we pump that a little harder, it's like, oh, there's some rhythm. There's some orgasmic potential. And if you bring that into the bedroom, into the pleasure state, you've got an internal explosive full body orgasm in the making.
0: Totally. And what a beautiful way also to bring you out of your head. Like my immediate thing while doing that was that it took me straight out of my head into my pussy. And finally, first day, first time all day that I've given her some acknowledgement, a little bit of time and really felt her. You know, so even if it's just a way that you need to just drop in and be like, oh, I'm
1: here with your sister. Like, yeah, you know. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm so happy that you reflected that back because that's what we were talking about at the start, where if you're not, like it's as simple as saying, hey, pussy, hey, there's a few palms, let's have a breath together, and you've talked to her today. And she, you know, if you keep doing that maybe two or three times, you'll be ready for sex tonight no Mm. doubt and you know if you add a few movement you can just deepen it and yeah i say no doubt to you because you've probably got this down pat a little bit but others like if if it is as simple as like okay and um should i tune into my clit and then when you do that you close your eyes and you kind of think about it or take your awareness there that is an embodied hello and that's where it can begin. And this is where we start to like similar with laughing. How does laughing feel in your body? How does it feel to actually close your eyes and say, hey vagina? How are you going? And the vagina's probably like, ooh, thanks for saying hi. You, you know. notice
0: me after 28 yeah. years.
1: <laughs> exactly. And it's like silly or or simple as it sounds. These are the practices that are are the gateway to real deep embodiment. And we're only just talking about them as a society. We're only just realising the benefits of embodiment and trauma and safety and embodiment. Not just realising like the last 20 years, but like hitting the mainstream. And being able to bridge embodiment, somatics, and these like more cognitive understandings of sexuality and being—if we can bring them together all day long—great.
0: Another oh. sexy way to bring pleasure into um, one's life uh, are yeah. erotic stories.
1: Oh yeah, eroticism, erotica. For many years, people have asked me where to find it and, you know, I fall short. I love reading, but I'm like, I have a very, you know, my Aquarian mind. I read two sentences and I'm off into some theory about the world. So me and reading have an interesting relationship. But yeah, so I've been like, okay, I can suggest this erotica, but actually my erotica practice has always been writing my own erotica. Like when I'm like, I've had great sex, I can just flow from me. And, and just like, and that sense, sensual experience I love to write about. So, so I always kind of guide people to write their own. And I know you're, you're you've begun writing and, and poetry and things like that. So it's awesome to be able to write your own, but yeah, there's a lack of like kind of erotica from, from the, Woman's perspective, and we have been sexualized and slut shamed, and our sexuality has been so through the male gaze for so long that it actually shows up in the the erotica world. That there's not much out there that's made by women for women. And lucky for me, I kind of ran into you know my my friend Maddie had come to a sensual yoga course and given me her zine, messy sex, which is this essentially her poetry that came from an awakening time a sexual awakening time in her life and she gave me the zine i was like it's awesome and she's awesome great writer and we just got talking so we're we're at the moment and it's going to launch next week so this is the first public kind of statement (laughs) we'll consider this a public statement with ella bancroft and uh that we're releasing an erotic project where we're we're paying artists and we're getting them on board to to create an erotic journal and we're going to showcase that on Me and Muse every month and we'll start with two artists a month and they're just gonna be like these a uh, whole collection of erotic um, journaling through different mediums, video, writing, poetry photography and i'm so excited because it's so yeah because this question came to me so much and i fell short on being able to answer it i was just like ah and then i realized that that was actually something i was doing and sharing over the years these little bursts of poetry around kind of and and that was a way to talk to people and realizing there's a real need for it and just seeing the response these artists have been like yes and fuck yes i would love to be involved and that made me feel really supported and seen and and from there i can i feel pretty like this is needed and this is just a beautiful collaborative space that is going to be a powerful offering in the world and a much needed one so where yeah I encourage people to create their own erotica and reflect on their own sexual experiences, and that and and also check out messy sex because we've we've loaded majority of the poems from the zine onto onto Me Amuse, the website. But we've also got the zine; you can buy it on the site, and that goes directly to all the artists involved. And um, we're support supporting artists through this it's 20 bucks the zine and it's just this beautifully designed sexy poetry zine that you can lick as foreplay while you're reading it to someone but yet i like reading erotica to my partner and i think as as women cis women we need a lot of that kind of mind intellectual or not intellectual we just need our minds kind of distracted it's part of our arousal response so if you're kind of not doing that through embodiment, you can do it through reading each other erotica or perhaps downloading some sexy Erica Lust stuff, who's a feminist porn maker. And, yeah, I think really using the mind to, to as like a as sexy story foreplay is just where it's at or just a, a, it's not where it's at. It's a, another tool that, is, that really helps me. You know, as soon as my senses and my mind are also, like, taken into a sexy story, it's just like there's that pussy again arousing out of supposedly nowhere. So, yeah, we've got Messy Sex that's on the website and for purchase if you want to check it out and support artists and then just stay with us because we've got some awesome erotic content launching and coming up and so happy to support local artists and their their beautiful erotic expression.
0: And thank you for giving voice to women in a space that's really needed as well, Vanessa. I think it's really important that more women stand up and, and really activate what their needs are. And, and we have more kind of voices in amongst what's been so heavily saturated by the male gaze or the male tongue. Um, it's really just super inspiring and I think will help a lot of women kind of crack open to their own creativity around sex
1: stories so thank you Uh, thank you Ella thanks for saying so because all the love right now I really try to receive as part of my pleasure my pleasure pathway good so thank you and thank you being such an activist and and also just sharing yourself so honestly and and without boundary I think it's also really refreshing for women to see and I fucking love seeing you grow into this space as well having known each other now for probably close to I reckon at least a decade or seven eight years so that is just beautiful for us to kind of appreciate and align on these topics and and obviously you a few we're both political in our own ways but this like sexual I love that you're on board with the sexual awakening of of yourself and other women and people and it's and it's just a beautiful thing that we can reflect off each other and share and see that so I'm pumped about that
0: um vanny i want to do another episode with you because i have a whole bunch of other questions that i would like to focus on specifically to women on women but i don't want to just brush over that in this episode so maybe we can do a follow-up episode in a in a couple of weeks or see how we go just with um so many women out there that i know are interested in being with women but they don't know how to tackle that so i think that will be oh, a really yeah. cool conversation that we could have together. I would love that, Veni. Um, we're coming close to the end of the episode, and this is a question that I ask every woman on the show, um, just to leave something really beautiful with the listeners: is what is your biggest truth that you, you have discovered in this lifetime?
1: What's coming up for me at the moment is that I was looking for external validation and 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 to be special. I wanted to be special to you know, my boss, to my yoga teacher, to um, everyone. And that stems from, I think, losing my mum pretty young and just that innate connection if you've got a good mum that they make you feel special whenever you need to kind of get a little injection of specialness. But, and in that also was this kind of reflection that I wasn't necessarily cared for in the in in a way or my you know my dad was doing his best and the people around me were doing their best but there was a lack of like being cared for so in my growth at the moment I realized and everything it's so subtle and it leads you to to you know it takes time to get to an insight but essentially that I'm the only one or I feel ready now to care for myself. And I had to learn what care and self-care looked like for me. It doesn't look the same as it does for you. And it doesn't look the same as it does for people listening. But it's such a buzzword right now. But so I feel like I'm in this archetypal space of, of growing and maturing and in that comes this huge backing of myself and my history and this un, unbound, like, I don't care if I don't resonate with you or that I'm not your person or that I'm triggering you because I'm like, you know, for, for a little bit taking up space was potentially a trigger. But now I feel like, yeah, I just feel powerful and renewed because I've realised I'm the only one that can care for myself. And it's my responsibility to care for myself. And when I care for myself, I'm able to receive the love that's coming at me, regardless of like where what I think it, it, you know, are the boundaries to that, that there is so much beautiful love and that love is a, a reciprocal relationship. So I give so much love, but I don't let it come back to me. And it has to come back. So I guess my biggest truth is, care for yourself like you are your own baby. <laughs> right? One of my friends years ago said to me, treat yourself like you're pregnant. You know, and for me that was a learning that was that was potent and pertinent because I was looking for and validation and self-care are in the same thing. That if I start caring for myself and believing in myself, I'm not looking externally for that validation. I just know it. I know that what I've got to offer is worth sharing. So I think there are a few things in that answer, but thanks for asking it anyway. I love that idea of like care for yourself as if you were your own baby,
0: you know, because I think especially as women, we so often again caretake other people. You know, we have that nurturing innate motherliness embedded in us whether we are mothers Mm. or not and and sometimes we fall kind of short of of the self-care and that is a really important practice for every woman to do and in fact it's the most radical form of activism in a patriarchal society as a woman is
1: to look after oh yeah fuck yeah boom 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 these i love you know self-care pleasure as a radical political act and, you know, that's a, another podcast in itself too. Me too. Thanks for those questions.
0: Venny, I love you. And how love can people find, find out more about you? What are your handles?
1: Well, I am vanessa.meradian. That's my personal Instagram. My work Instagram, which is also very much layered with me, is miamuse.intimacy and the website which is full and more and more full of great stuff every day at the moment is meamuse.com and so and facebook I'm pretty active on so yeah follow me share some love with with me if you've got any questions feel free to do that that's me
0: yeah and me and Benny are going to do a follow up segment to our conversation focusing more on um, how to get involved if you're interested in being with women, what that looks like, maybe some little tips and tricks along the way and I guess our own stories and experiences amongst that. Um, Benny, I love you. Thanks so much for offering up your time and your expertise and I'm sure that many women out there are going to be reading erotica while pumping their pussies up into their bellies.
1: Yeah, babe belly and beyond thank you you. thanks ella thanks for having me